What's up, everybody? Welcome in, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Cooldown Time. My name's Marco. I'm your graphically outdated host. Joining me, as always, is the technical mess of the show himself, Pablo. Now, Pablo, normally this is where I ask you how you're doing, but I kind of want to pivot from that, and I want to ask you how the Fallout fan in you is doing. Uh, After seeing the trailer for the Fallout TV series coming to Amazon... I'm more curious to know what you think of that than just how your regular life is going. Forget your yeah, life. Yeah, fuck my life. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the yeah, show. Yeah, fuck my life. Let's talk about <laughs> Fallout. Uh, I think off the bat, I was completely stunned. And and for context, I kind of just watched it. Just uh, in terms of how the visual aesthetic, they nailed a lot of what you know you see in the actual fallout games like from the rad roaches to dog meat to brotherhood of steel to the actual vault the colors the the vault jumpsuits all that shit is like it's picture perfect uh now i can't talk or test to what the quality of the show will be but in terms of kind of getting me hyped for a potential fallout series outside of video games this trailer did it all for me because i i I mean, it was like, it's perfect in terms of how it looks. Uh, uh, it, it really just feels like a, a, a natural extension to the fall. And I do like the fact that it, they are seemingly going to do some flashbacks to see like some of the lives of some of the people before uh, everything. And then seeing the actual, uh, you know, the actual explosions and, and, and nuclear bombs going off. That's a super dope uh, thing uh, there. So I... I Honestly, I'm I'm kind of in shock just because I, I wasn't really expecting. You know, when they said a Fallout series, I definitely rolled my eyes. You know, this is pre um, pre uh, Last of Us, so not knowing what these shows can actually do if the proper people are behind it, I definitely had my doubts about this. But th- th- that trailer did a lot in way of kind of getting me excited. Now, how about you? I, we I haven't spoken about this at all, uh, so I have no yeah. idea how you feel about the trailer. What what do you got? Um. I was kind of underwhelmed a little bit, actually. Uh, and oh, really? I, I think I'm in the minority, though. I'm pretty sure I am. Um, and I, I'm not saying that I think the show's going to suck now that I saw the trailer or anything like that. I just think that... I mean, still could. There was just something off to me about the, the way this was presented. Um, I don't know. It, it, could be, it could be the way it... The, the way that it was shot. It could be the use of color. Maybe it's just visually not what I see in my in my mind's eye when i think of fallout um some of the some of the characters that we saw in the trailer particularly the people that ain't got no noses uh yeah some of the that looked a little cheesy some of the costumes particularly the brotherhood of steel that looked a little cheesy as well but that's kind of the thing i guess that's where i get a little confused of like what what are they going for are they are they trying to intentionally be campy it seems like they are to a certain degree but is, do they want that to show through in the way that that some people look or are they trying to make things look real and um you know believable because i just didn't get that feel some of it looked a little 
a little plasticky, a little hokey. Um, like when dog meat had the arm in his mouth, it, that looked really phony. So it, I think there's a there's a sense of phoniness to the way that, that things are presented in a way that I wasn't expecting. But again, I can't tell if they're going for that intentionally or not. So all I can do is just judge it off of the eye test. So for me, I think it's just it's not looking as as realistic as I as I expected it to. So it's, it kind of threw me off. Um, I mean, I think. I, I get what you're saying, but I think it's hard to, to kind of pull that off in that I think when you look at Fallout 3 and, and Fallout 4 and even New Vegas, there is a, a there is some silliness there. You know, there's some kind of, of like uh, yeah. cartoonish, you know, the, the, that whole entire premise and environment and world and characters are, are, are kind of silly from Inception. So when you kind of translate that over to uh, film or TV and tonally they were trying to make it seem like this was a serious kind of uh, thing but then kind of the visuals of it there's some like corny you know looking characters some corny lines being spit out so i get that i'm just saying i'm getting i'm getting cosplay energy yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The, the, there was a dichotomy between the tonality of what they were trying to show with the trailer and then the lines that you were seeing mm-hmm. and some of the stuff. So it's like, hopefully, that it doesn't become a, a messy that way. Like, we, like uh, I, I think Twisted Metal comes into, into to mind where Twisted Metal was played one for one as a comedy, but there were a lot of themes in that show that were very serious and every time they 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 went into that seriousness it wasn't believable because of how absolutely ludicrous the entire show was to begin with so i hope that tonally there's not a problem here with that there there probably could be but i'm i don't know i i I just i was just shocked by the i guess i'm looking at it from the translation from video game to, to tv show how how much they took from the video game and put in TV shows. Usually these shows, like The Last of Us, like I love The Last of Us TV show, but there are some things that look like the game, but all in all, it's just a story being told in in, in their version of a real world, uh, you know, in, in the TV show. So there were things that looked like it, but other times they, they took their own liberties uh, in terms of how they were depicting that. But the, the, this was so much from, from, from screen to screen that I was kind of like shocking and, and I was impressed by that. So mm. at, at least by that. So. Yeah, you had the scrunchy face because I was watching him watch it, and he had the, he had the, the, he's putting the mean face on, like you heard a like a fire bar in a battle rap or something like that. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? What's your face? I just features? wasn't expecting. I just wasn't expecting like the. I thought you the hated jumpsuit. it. I thought you uh? were gonna turn that off and go. This sucked, but the, I nah, guess the, I guess man. the mean face was like a you know wow face for you. Uh, yeah, strange faces just, I, over here. I just didn't <laughs> expect it. Like it was just like the whole. Like the jumpsuit, like they actually did the jumpsuit. That's crazy. They did that. Shit's that. So ugly. <laughs> All right. They had to do that. Glad they hired people to design Comic Con outfits to make the show. Uh, let's go ahead and <laughs> jump right into this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. We are here to talk about more than just uh, video game to TV adaptations. Of course, we're here to talk about video games as well, uh, as well as uh, more year-end coverage for 2023 as we discuss our top five favorite sleepers of the year uh, later on in the main event of the show, but we have plenty of stuff to talk about as well. Uh, So let's go ahead and dive right in, Pablo. Let's get right to the segment dedicated to the games we've been playing that we call Loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, man. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and actually kick this over to you. 
uh, because you have a couple of interesting games and some updates on some games we've heard you talk about in previous weeks that I'm really curious about. So uh, let me go ahead and pass the buck over to you. Talk about what you got. Yeah, so I, I finally started uh, playing uh, Super Mario RPG. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Mario RPG, for those of you who don't know, is a remake of the SCDS classic Super Mario RPG, The Legend of the Seven Stars. Uh, I guess it's hard for me to say, but I, I think this is probably my first time actually playing a turn-based uh, video game. Um, I, I can't really recall if, if personally if I played uh, anything like this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not really... Did, did Final Fantasy VII come out before this? I don't think so. No, yeah, this no, was, so, no, this was before. Yeah, it's probably my first introduction into that. So, you know, renting this out of my local Video King and, mm. and, and playing this, uh, I was uh, absolutely confused by what the game was, promptly returning it to Video King on the same day. <laughs> uh, it just wasn't a thing that I was expecting. You know, it, it was different back in the day. We're, we're old. It, we didn't really have the IGNs or anything like that to kind of tell you what these games were. Uh, Nintendo Power, sure. But, I mean, I, w- I didn't really understand the concept. But decades later, I was actually now I'm able to, to, to experience this and i wasn't sure if i would feel differently at all uh but this is an intent this is nintendo and though i i can't say my expectations were like very high i was except expecting something fun and interesting and that's exactly what mario rpg remake is in a nutshell it's fun it's quirky it's a competent turn-based rpg uh you know the story is nothing to run home about. It's the same bullshit that you see in just about every Mario game from that from from that time, which Mario needs to go save Princess Peach from Bowser, um, which you know. Uh, but the good thing is that the gameplay isn't the same old shit. It's something a little different. Turn-based mechanics are super simple, and they have like the standard attack, special item option, all that all that you see in a, a turn-based RPG. It does have that real-time interaction though. Um, basically, anytime you're about to do an attack, if you Press the A button uh, and on the right time. You can do extra damage. Same thing for defense. If you're gonna get if you're gonna get attacked and you hit the A button, you know you can actually defend the attack, uh, which is actually really fun. Uh, it, it gives you a little more to do uh, than you would expect. Uh, you gain weapons, and also you have party members that join you that act like different classes. Team comp isn't important, but you can put something together that suits your gameplay. Visually, I have to say that the game, um, it is a remake from the ground up when you compare it to the original game. But I don't like the art style. I don't think it's particularly interesting i I think that it still looks dated in its own way uh and unfortunately the level design is pretty uninspired throughout it's kind of like the jungle level the the water looking level and there's nothing really like special about it especially coming off the the heels of mario wonder where all that is just like incredible art work and, and art design this isn't that uh so making the game a little bit lackluster in the visual department uh so that kind of sucks I, I i have to say though marco i know that i'd spoken to you about this game and i was pretty high on it uh because the quirkiness and the personality of this mario experience it, it takes it a pretty long way i started red hot but i am cooling on it quite a bit once you kind of get past the things that make the mario rpg fun to play you realize that it lacks substance and and without any visual flair to kind of add to the experience mario rpg started to lose uh a lot of its luster and ultimately each and every play session had like diminishing returns uh but i i kind of will say if you are a a a fan of the original this is a must play for you and if you're someone who's looking for like a more in-depth and an rpg a turn-based rpg i would look elsewhere 
elsewhere to scratch that itch just because this is fun um it, it ha- it's full of that nintendo quirkiness and personality but ultimately i i don't think the mario rpg franchise is for me to begin with and so the rpg and the re- the, the remake of it all just it did it did it did little more than what the original did but besides that it's not really something that i that i ended up loving as much as i thought i was when i first started the the game yeah i i i, I totally understand that i um that was part of what turned me off of the original game when I played it back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like very rudimentary after a while. It's like, man, this feels just like, it's like a very Crayola color palette. It's very, yeah. it's almost too fundamental with its RPG mechanics to the point where it doesn't do anything like really remarkable. Um, and then the story beats are just very, very boilerplate. I mean, Princess Peach got to get her shit together. Um, <laughs> she ain't had it together in a long time. This is more proof of that. And uh, all these years later, she's still out here getting kidnapped. She needs to get a security system at her house. She needs to get ADT, <laughs> something like well, that, man. She gets kidnapped out of Mario's yard while oh Mario's inside God. sleeping. Wow. Now there is a there is a story, quote unquote, twist with, with the princess, uh, like midway through the game that you know right. kind of changes things a little bit. Right. But it doesn't it doesn't really matter. I no. mean, look if you if you go to a Mario game for the story, you're crazy. You're an insane person. That's not really what it's here for. <laughs> uh, and you know it's. I I love that this exists because I think that bringing Mario RPG to 2023 and beyond, I think that's I, th- I think it's good to kind of diversify your tentpole uh, franchise, and 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 I, and I like it for that. But it's just you know it's it's a me thing. Usually these things are obviously opinion based, uh, but of course it's really one of those things where. It, you're right. The, the the rudimentary of the, the entire gameplay mechanic just gets to a point where I'm like, all right, I'm just doing the same thing over and over. You start tuning out, right? Yeah, honestly, yep. you do. I mean, the 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 time the time based uh, pressing A to block and that 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 does keep you engaged. But even once that's, you're doing even that, that's over, very conventional, though. Yeah, Other yeah, games yeah. Do that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not new at all by any stretch of the imagination. But yeah, that is what it is. But I am playing another game that is. Uh, that sort of came out of left field. End of your conversation that started from other outlets that I listen to, read, so on and so forth. And there's going to come games that I've never heard of that, that get my attention. And that game uh, in this occasion is Chance of Sinar. Um, well, I, I'm sure none of you have heard of this game because it's kind of it came out and, and to, nobody really talked about it. But really, Chance of Sinar is a language-based puzzle game. But it's more than that too. It's a game about division and coexisting. It's about embracing diversity. It plays with biblical themes like the Tower of Babel and the weaponization of confusion by lack of communication, highlighting kind of the power of what communication in a way that is is poignant and fascinating. Um, as you play through the game, your objectives uh, is to reach the top of this mysterious tower of which you've awakened from its basement level. Uh, it's not clear what you're there to do, but you must kind of reach the highest point of that tower. Uh, your inability to communicate with the people of each level, since uh, since they all speak a different uh, language, is kind of like the crux of the gameplay. Uh, you have to decipher each language using knowledge you've gained throughout each level. So each quest you go on gives you more context for what the language is. Uh, and so it's presented to you with glyphs, and you just 
as you play on, uh, you kind of decipher that with just information that you've gathered from around the levels. Um, there are also environmental puzzles, uh, but those are kind of times feel more like afterthoughts, uh, as the main crux of the game is that translating those glyphs. Visually, though, I have to say, man, this game it's, is outstanding. It has like kind of that MC Escher type of visual style. For those not familiar with that specific art style, if I'm gonna put it in video game terms, think of it, mo- think Monument Valley. Uh, type of art style if you guys know that that uh uh that mobile game it's been the one design it's been the one that's color palette but they've created something like absolutely beautiful it's painterly i think that everything they do with that visualness of it it's just it's so outstanding and, and, and it really is like half the game for me uh i think i'm still making my way through the game but so far it's one of the most unique experiences i've had this year visually and gameplay wise and it's hard to kind of do that on two ends you know take two things and make it and kind of impress me uh in ways when i compare to other games that have come out this year i think uh it's an accomplishment in that sense and i honestly think that it stands uh as one of the best kind of uh visual looking games of the year in my opinion so i think it's something that we're going to be talking about uh when it comes to uh, game of the year visuals and stuff like that because i really really like that so uh i mean this is definitely a hard game to talk about uh yeah, but yeah. it's it's if for those of you interested in, in kind of a puzzle uh type of gameplay that it's new that it isn't kind of the same things over and over uh, i would definitely recommend this game to all you guys it's fucking outstanding Nice, nice. You got yeah. one more game on your list, Pablo. Go ahead. Let's hear about it. Come on, come I, on, man. Yeah, that's Baldur's Gate three. Oh, uh, here we guys, go, guys. I want to have a conversation about Baldur's Gate three. Uh, all I want to do here in this moment is kind of work through my feelings with Baldur's Gate with you all. Uh, I want to say I can appreciate the conversation happening around the game, even though I don't see it yet. I'm cool with people calling it not only the best game of the year, but the best CRPG of all time. I mean, it has a lot going for it. It's very ambitious. Uh, it manages to kind of nail a lot of the things that it's trying to do, if not nailing every aspect of what they're trying to do. Uh, there's my he, he, And here's my problem. I'm not sure I'm vibing with all those things that they're trying to do. I'm, I'm, I've shared this sentiment before, and it still holds true. Every time I am not in combat... I am loving the game. Problem is, there's a lot of combat. Now, that's not to say the combat system is bad. It's just that there's a lot of things you have to juggle in order to make combat work. And that's what people like about CRPGs, right? First of all, the team comp and team leveling up, that is absolutely essential. But you handle all those level ups. There's no auto level ups. That includes subclasses, skills, weapons, equipment. Again, to a CRPG fan, they're like, yeah, what the fuck are you talking about? That's what these games are. And I get it, but not for me. It's not something that I really enjoy. I think they could do more when it comes to accessibility for players like me that want to be a bard, want to talk out their problems, but when they're forced into combat scenarios, that they're able to kind of go through that without having to kind of... go through all these menus over and over and, and find the correct kind of uh, move that you have to do in order to not only assist yourself and beat the bad guys, but also help your team around you and how you can best utilize your abilities to then amplify the abilities of others, which is so much going on in that combat, which I know that's why people love it, but it, for me, it, it became it's becoming problematic. Um, I guess 
for those saying, well, if you don't like Baldur's Gate 3, then you don't have to play it. But, the, but And I agree, but the thing is, is that I love it when I'm not in combat. Like, I, I genuinely is that weird kind of feeling when I'm not going to, into these combat scenarios and I'm just going and talking to people, resolving issues with certain things and just kind of getting to know the world and the lore and the story. I, I'm in love with that. It's like two sides of one coin where it's like that one thing I love and the other thing it's like I almost hate it so it's it's kind of hard for me to <laughs> to really sit here and talk about this game as one of the best games of, of the year because there's just half of that game that it's not vibing with me now I've heard that as you play more uh, you gain certain abilities that makes it easier for example right now you only have one turn for each uh uh, combat scenario but as you increase your levels you'll have multiple turns and in once in, in one go so that would make it easier uh but yeah I, I just i guess i lied when i said that i'm okay with people calling this a game of the year because <laughs> Yo, for this me man is crazy. i could only i could only <laughs> talk about me and i i just think that it's i there's actually some like technical issues as well that are, are uh, that happen throughout the game that kind of hinder the 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 the, the um kind of like me getting into it, uh. But I don't know. I I'm I'm interested to see how you play out. I I just wanted to bring it up today because I know that game awards are coming and I know that maybe it's not a game that we're gonna talk about too much. And it's not that we just don't like it or that we haven't played it. It's the I'm having a weird time with it. Uh, and Marco is yet to play it, so. But I don't know. We'll see where you land. Uh, I'm super interested to see. There's, there's a lot of stuff that I see in this game that I'm like, Marco's going to hate this. Marco's going to hate this. But Marco's going to love this. Marco's going to love this. <laughs> like, it, because it, it, and, and I know you, and, and I'm talking, I'm not even talking about story. I'm talking about some technical things. I'm talking about some menu things. Because if, okay. <laughs> if Marco has a problem with Snake Eater, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, boy. Well. I don't know. We'll see. But here, here's what I'll say to that. And it, again, as you mentioned, I haven't played the game yet. But one thing that I think right. would may be helpful is to try to recontextualize the game uh, in your head. Um, because I think something that I've heard indirectly from people who love the game is that it's it's somewhat a game that you have to, to treat differently than you would a typical game in that how you spend your time within Baldur's Gate 3 on a day-to-day basis is really not the way you would spend a a, a typical play session. It's almost that's in a right. way, it's almost I don't want to call it an MMO because people that's not an MMO, but in the in the similar way that you would spend a lot of time um focusing on your your team composition and how you want to level up your uh your 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 companions and your overall strategy and your tactics that you want to you know deploy in in the way that you play i mean i've i've heard of people devoting play sessions to doing just those things like today's going to be like a level up kind of session where i figure out how i want to compose things how i want to level up this character blah 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 and then like the next day of, of my play session is taking that out and doing another side quest and seeing how that that fares so it's um i think there's a lot of start stop start stop built into the experience from what i've heard and that is customary to a degree with crpgs i can understand however from a pacing standpoint um it can feel maybe a little bit like whiplash for 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 someone like you um who just kind of wants to to go 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 and you know i want to feel like i'm moving forward and I, i am that way too so i won't sit here and say that i'm not concerned about that i think my biggest concern honestly is how the game onboards me because one thing that i've heard a lot of people say 
is, well, if you're ever confused about this or that or that or this, go on YouTube, go on YouTube, go on YouTube, Google it, go on YouTube. And I, I, I understand that, but I also don't want to spend hours and hours of my time learning how to play this game through, um, content creators, you know, like I don't want to watch an hour long video about best classes or, uh, the best builds for this or how to level up this particular companion the right way. Like I, I want to play the game more than watch the game, if that makes sense. And I just feel like this is one of those experiences where it's so steeped with content and depth and nuance and all these granular, you know, things to micromanage that I'm going to spend more time learning about the game than I am playing and and enjoying the game and gathering and a, a feeling about it you know you know what i mean so that's my yeah. biggest concern coming into and this that's, and that's how i felt i mean i did watch an hour-long fixture life uh video about building a a competent uh bard because you can pick a class and then pick a bard uh yeah. subclass i mean a, a, a race and then pick a bard class that don't match that you're not getting the, the most out of the bard class because you picked a specific race that isn't known for that and so you can really fuck yourself early on if you you know i, I like the way this thing looks i like this and then i, I like this class and and i had to kind of build my character based on what they told me in order for to work and it's worked great for my class it's just i had to almost do that for all my other companions in order to get the best out of them Mm -hmm. and i i kind of screwed myself a little bit with some of the companions that were pretty weak and then i had to go back and 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 i had other companions and i and i watched some videos and i'm going i want to be clear i'm not struggling through the combat it's just in order for me to to be successful there's a lot of the the the, the, thought, the thought process has to be constant in terms of what I'm doing next. I'm always thinking about my next move. And that sounds like great for CRPG fans. This is a hardcore CRPG and there's no other way about it, you know? And so, like, yeah. w- when you play other games that are considered CRPGs that are less than that, you know, um, like Disco Elysium, which is basically all conversational, I can get behind that because... All it's asking of me is to role play a specific character based on specific choices I made. With 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 Baldur's Gate three, I can't really do that because if I pick a class that I think sounds cool, a subclass that sounds great, I have to make sure that my subclass matches my skills, which matches my actual class, which matches my race. Which is like, okay, there's a lot going on. There's there's levels to that, and I can appreciate that from a game design standpoint. But from Pablo playing this game there's a lot there's a lot there and so it kind of it it, it kind of just it's it, it just daunting every time it kind of feels like every time i go through a uh souls like where i beat this area and then i start a new area and it's kind of like oh here we go I, it kind of feels like that except when those souls like mm-hmm. you already have this skill set you already have kind of like you know exactly what you need to do here it's like every new scenario brings upon a new kind of strategy in which you have to bring based on the type of enemies that you're fighting things like that so I will say though that the more I play it and the more thought I get into it and the the more patience I have with it, I am enjoying the combat more than I was when I started. However, it is still the, the biggest pain point for me. Uh, and I and I can understand here again. I I, I want to be sensitive to those because I'm not here sitting that I'm I'm saying this game is bad. It's just it might not be a game for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, and honestly, I think some people are going to have to kind of get over that. 
um, when it comes time for Game of the Year conversations. And I don't just mean our show. I mean, like, in general, there's going to be a few outlets out there that are going to be like, it's, 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 it's one of the better games of the year, but it's not number one. Like, some people are going to say that. And we can't dance around that or feel, like, afraid to say that because, oh, you know, we're in the minority. Um, you know, this, this game, as great as I'm sure it is, is, is certainly not for everybody. And that is the reality of the situation. Um, now, I, it, there seems to be some type of weird catnip that uh, is pulling people in who don't even play games like this. So I'm still pretty intrigued and interested for my own sake that maybe I'll, I'll, I'll discover what that catnip is for myself and I'll find myself going, wow, like I don't like anything like this in other games, but this for some reason is just like all the stars and planets aligned. But um, it, it is fair to say that this is not going to be everybody's cup of tea. So the fact that yeah. it's not yours is, is fair. Um, I just think that, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I applaud you for giving it more time and more of a fair shake. Um, it, it's a it's a very big game and it's going to take time exactly. and, and maybe that maybe you'll turn that corner at some point soon uh, and realize yeah. kind of what you might be what might still be disconnected but it's 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 and fair I, I arguments spoke and I spoke to people who absolutely love the game and uh, most of them tell me which I hate this I hate this but I get it because of how much in the game they say act two is really when the game kind of takes off and I'm I'm still in act right at the end of act one uh, about eighteen hours in um, and. You know, playing 18 hours of a game that I don't feel great about seems crazy, but because so many people talked so lovingly about this game, I am. I that's why I'm giving it its 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 you know its due. Now, well, that's what you got to stop you, doing. That's what that's what you have to stop doing, though. You have to stop trying to play to play a game to see what other people are seeing. You know, yeah, just no, I, your experience I, is I your experience. That. I mean, people can bang that drum all day long. Well, you just right. don't get it. You just don't, I mean, if you don't see it, you don't and see I, it. Don't look for the '96 open critic out of your out of your playthroughs. Well, and I, that's true. No, you're right. I but I also think that if the game I didn't like the game at all, that I would have been definitely oh, yeah, sure. out of it yeah. for a long time. But the fact that I do love like half of the game, and I, when I say love, I don't mean that like I like it. I mean I love it. I love the conversational pieces of the game. I love the branching story paths and and, and conversations. All that it's amazing to me. And yep. uh, but uh, that's why I'm still in it. Now I want to I want to say something here, and I want your opinion on this because um, obviously I'm a huge Zelda fan. I love Tears of the Kingdom this year. One of my one of the best games of uh, of the year, hands down for me. I, I I had this conversation with some people, and, and I even posted on Twitter where I think recency bias plays a large role in terms of like the game awards. Uh, I think that a lot of the the momentum going into it is because this game has came out fairly recently, and it's still uh, being talked about because the the, in, the the impending release on the Xbox. But I feel like if Tears of the Kingdom would have come out at the same time or after. Um, uh, after Baldur's Gate, that I, I I feel like Tears of the Kingdom would run away with the awards, but I, that's kind of just a me thing. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I think that recency bias does play a role in award nominations and, and award winners, um, but I don't think that that's across the board. I think some some franchises yeah. can you know uh, basically carry their weight all throughout the year if they come out you know early or the midpoint of the year i think zelda is one of the exceptions though so i don't in, in that specific case i don't think that there's any risk of zelda not winning something because of uh when it came out um i right. think a game that as that is as good as tears of the kingdom is should still um 
get its fair share of votes, I would say. Um, I, I guess um, what it would really come down to, to me, is I think a lot of people, and we've, we've grazed this subject before on the show, is a lot of people confuse game of the year with best new game thing of right. the year. So the fact that Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has so much in common with Breath of the Wild maybe isn't as exciting or as, as sexy of a pick as Baldur's Gate 3 is because Baldur's Gate 3 is finally back from, you know, a long hiatus and it's it's revolutionizing certain things, it's perfecting certain things apparently in the CRPG space and it's just the it's just the more fun thing to talk about. So I think that is what to me probably plays the, the biggest role is which one feels more original than the other. Um, but recency bias, I can kind of go, I, I go both ways on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm interested to see how, what, what pans out. Cause I, I, I do feel like in my opinion, I know we had the, the, the prediction shows last, last week, if I'm not mistaken about who was going to win. I think I've changed my mind. I think Tears of the Kingdom pulls out and wins the, uh, the, the game of the year, just based on kind of the conversations that I've actually heard recently where people are like, yeah, but is Tears of the Kingdom second to Baldur's Gate or whatever the case may be. So I'm interested to see how that actually does play out. But I agree with you. All right. Yeah. So what do you got, Bear? Yeah. So, you know, it's been a weird time because um, I'm still waiting for Alan Wake 2 to get fixed. And I'm now Mm. also waiting for Baldur's Gate 3 to come out on Xbox because of the potential that it might come out on Game Pass. Um, So I've just been kind of in this weird, like, purgatory of like not really having anything exciting to play or exciting to do. So I spent time just kind of, you know, thinking back on anything that I wanted to like revisit that I touched earlier the year in the year and thought, you know, maybe I should come back to that. And actually Octopath Traveler 2 came to mind. Um, I looked at, cause I, I've, I've been starting to construct my games, my, my top 10 games of the year, my honorable mentions and whatnot. And I was like, man, I'm so not used to, not seeing a, a JRPG on my list because I, I had expected Final Fantasy 16 to, you know, be tear the roof off, you know, and just be, you know, oh, my yeah. top three or something like that. Obviously, we've said our piece about that game. So I, I thought back on Octopath Traveler 2 and I'm like, you know, maybe my original approach with that game was maybe not the best way to play it, you know, because the game offers a lot of flexibility with you can recruit all eight people in in the game and do each of their chapters Mm -hmm. one at a time. I think the problem that I ran into with my original playthrough is that that kind of started to feel like a slog for me after a while. Right. So I decided to kind of divvy it up and go four and four. I I decided to, you know, try out recruiting four people, work my way through all of their respective stories. That way I'm not too far removed from someone's story like is it, it it started getting hard the last playthrough of like remembering what happened with the other person because i it was so long ago in my playthrough i'm like what was their what were they doing what was their situation yeah, yeah. like and i think <laughs> this will keep this will keep the characters story arcs more more you know front and center in my in my brain so i'm uh, i'm really eager to see if it's going to stick with me this time around with that new idea of going four and four with my recruitment um, but some of the things that I really enjoyed about the game originally, I still think hold up remarkably well. Now the art style is fantastic. This might be the best music I've heard in games all year. Um, hands down. Yeah, um, I, I got to debate that, uh, when I, when I think about, you know, that category, when we have best sound, uh, in our game of the year deliberations, but, uh, it's up there. Um, the combat system feels really good as well. Uh, that still holds up really good too. 
Um, I think for me, it's going to ultimately come down to story. Uh, and if, if I do work my way through each of these story arcs, are they going to be uh, gratifying and, and worth the effort in the end? Uh, and I'm also curious to know how challenging the game's going to get later on. Um, I've heard that it's, some people say it's a breeze. Some people say, no, it's going to actually test you. I don't know where I land on that so far. It's always been kind of easy um, for me. But uh, the more I put time into it, if I stick with it, I'll be curious to see if it gives me a run for my money or not. But um, so far, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just getting back into the rhythm again. I don't have any new takeaways as of yet, but I will share some if I have some uh, in future episodes. But that's kind of what I got going on there. Um, lastly, and this is a real quick one, uh, Killer Instinct was recently uh, revitalized on Xbox with a new anniversary edition. Uh, where essentially um, it was sort of updated for Series X and S in so many words. Uh, it's been up to 4K, um, better performance, uh, just a sharper, cleaner, better playing experience uh, with some balancing changes, some tuning changes to some of the fighters in the game. Um, I've, you know... I've said it on the show, I'm, I'm more of a casual fighting game fan. I just play them for fun. I don't, I don't get sweaty. Um, but Killer Instinct has always been one of those weird franchises, for, uh, honestly, for both of us, because I remember playing that series um, a good amount at your house back in the day when we were kids. And uh, Yeah, which so, is why I'm shocked you even went back to that. I mean, you got PTSD of me whooping that ass in Killer Instinct Gold. No, no, no. What, what happened was this man got revisionist history all up in his brain cells, y'all. I don't know what to do. Um, y'all should have seen how he was getting his clock clean with Street Fighter 2. Nevertheless, um, I never played that game in my life. <laughs> it's because you never won it. <laughs> this is this is actually a pretty cool little um, little, little thing for Killer Instinct. Um, yeah, it's uh, it 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 does look pretty nice now. Uh, it still has that that Xbox One era kind of look especially with the user interface and, and and all that that's probably the most outdated aspect of the game by far it's just it's it's a very messy looking game in terms of ui um but the the fighting mechanics hold up really well it's a lot of fun it's uh i played online for a match or two just to see you know how it feels to jump online um i i, I must say i did my thing um now I don't know who I was up against, and you know they were probably a first-time player, but they got the business, um, <laughs> and uh, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's not a game that I'm going to keep in my rotation. I was more just, I was more just curious, you know, just to see like, okay, that was something I didn't expect to happen with this old fighting game. Like, let me see if it's any good, and actually, it is uh, pretty decent to the point where I would, I wouldn't be, you know, uh, against seeing Killer Instinct get a sequel uh, sometime this generation. Um, I think I would like to see um i think developers iron galaxy um yeah. i think they work they got acquired by amazon or something if i'm not mistaken um so i don't know I if i think if i'm not mistaken they're the ones that they pivoted away and did a a battle royale i don't know uh, they did rumbleverse it, do you remember that wrestling thing that i talked about a couple of weeks ago the wrestling that was them uh royale it, that was uh, them yeah oh okay well 
don't do that again. Yeah. But uh, I would love uh, to see a new Killer Instinct come out with uh, that just takes advantage of, of the new hardware. Uh, full stop. But yeah, if you're a fighting game yeah. fan, if you're curious, it's on Game Pass. You can go check it out. Uh, I think it is worth taking another look. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of all I had going on this week, dude. So kind of a light week for me, but maybe uh, next week with Baldur's Gate dropping and potentially Alan Wake getting some fixes that I'm look, uh, looking forward to. Uh, I'll have much more to talk about in weeks to come. But uh, yeah, that is going to do it for loadouts, man. Why don't we go ahead and jump right into the news segment that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, man. So I kind of want to take our time with this first topic here because uh, the, the future of Xbox has been quite the subject of intense debate lately. Um, now, on the sales front, um, you know, it's no secret that Xbox has been uh, outsold by PlayStation by a shocking margin in just about every region of the world, uh, despite having a stronger year of first party titles. Um, you know, speaking of which, Starfield and Forza Motorsport came out this year, but they did kind of launch to somewhat a, a mixed reaction, mixed reviews, and they've already started kind of making their way down uh, the sales charts so far. Um, now, meanwhile, there's also been mixed messaging regarding Xbox's ultimate vision for Game Pass. Uh, Xbox CFO Tim Stewart claimed that the company's end goal is to bring Game Pass to PlayStation and Nintendo, whereas Phil Spencer claimed that they actually have no plans to bring Game Pass to PlayStation <laughs> and Nintendo. Uh, Phil also went on to reassure fans that Xbox will stay in the console space amid speculation that Xbox would inevitably go third party. But Pablo, um, based on the state of affairs at Xbox, based on everything that I just kind of outlined there, um, let's ask the question head on. Is Xbox as we know it dying? If so, uh, what do you think the new air quotes Xbox will ultimately be? And if not, how do you think Xbox will stay the course? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I don't think Xbox, as we know it, is dying. What I think is happening is they have a lot of things on the table. Uh, I think that they have many different avenues in which they feel they can go. And I think that when these conversations are happening, like Tim Stewart being asked, he's kind of just talking about things that could happen. And Phil Spencer, being the president uh, of, of Xbox, is also doing the same. As it stands, uh, I think Phil Spencer believes that they will stay exactly the same. I think that he feels like they're going to still make consoles. They're still going to, you know, not, you know, be first party, not put Game Pass on other consoles. I just don't think it's off the table. And I think that the confusion here is, is definitely something that... They have to kind of get together and really iron out the front-facing message because it, it looks divided. It looks messy, as messy as the the fact that PlayStation is being it's outselling them by enormous margins. You know, um, I I I think that one thing that people have to stop doing uh, is measuring the way PlayStation sees success and looking at that. As how Xbox sees their success. We've already spoken about that on the show. How Xbox success and what they deem success. Is based on Game Pass subscriptions. And how that's going to carry them into the future. And so even though they are being outsold. I don't think specifically that Xbox is. Uh, in quote dying. Like a more traditional 
console manufacturer would be like Sega did and ended up, you know, stopping making consoles because they weren't selling them. So I don't think that the Xbox console market is going anywhere anytime soon. However, I do think that 10, 15, 20 years from now, if there isn't an Xbox console and Xbox just becomes one of the biggest publishers in the world, I wouldn't be surprised just based on the fact that they seem to be gearing up for that eventually buying up uh, Activision Blizzard, having different avenues of, of revenue coming in from their mobile markets now. Uh, so they are kind of uh, future proofing themselves in case a change in how we look at consoles uh, as consumers uh, how, how that might change in the future, but it's weird because I I I don't think th- I, I'm not worried about Xbox. I'm just worried about their messaging and how they come across. Because right now we we talked about PlayStation leadership and how everything is really messy over there, and we've kind of praised Xbox leadership for how how honest they've been and how they seem to have their shit together. But you know we're seeing some cracks in the seam here where it's kind of like okay, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And I don't think that they know exactly where they're going. And so everybody is kind of uh, just t- giving out their opinion as to what they think the future of Xbox will be. So I'm, I'm very interested, interested to see how much of this is Phil Spencer standing in the way of what of what uh, Tim Stewart actually said is happening. So if, for example, Phil Spencer were to retire or go somewhere else... Can the future of Xbox change in a drastic way? I think that it could. But as it stands, to answer the questions more directly, I don't think it's dying. I think that the way they'll stay on the course is the way they've been doing, um, what they've been doing now is is making Game Pass uh, unavoidable, making Game Pass the best deal in gaming, and then hoping that that takes them into the future and hoping that the next console cycle is is a little closer in terms of sales based on how they've actually righted the ship now with the Xbox Series X, but mostly through Game Pass. How about you? What do you think? Um, is Xbox as we know it dying? Um, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I actually don't know. I don't have a yes or no answer there. Um, I'm sorry if that's a cop out, but I just don't know because you kind of touched on it. I'm going to lean into it even further. Um, the mixed messaging at Microsoft is really frustrating as someone mm-hmm. who loves Xbox as much as I do. Um, here's what I think when it comes to the Tim Stewart claim and the Phil Spencer claim, I think that I actually believe Tim Stewart more than I believe Phil. And here's why I think that Tim Stewart is saying that Xbox wants to bring game pass to PlayStation and Nintendo. I think I don't think Phil Spencer necessarily lied in saying they don't have any plans to, but there's a difference between wanting to do something and having a plan to do it. I don't think right. they have any plans to do it right now. I don't think they have a, like, here's the steps we're going to take to get Game Pass on PlayStation and Nintendo. That's probably true that it, that's not happening right now. But I don't think that Phil Spencer or anybody at Xbox would, would necessarily scoff at the opportunity if it presented itself to put Game Pass on either one of those um, platforms. Um, so I, I think Phil Spencer's um, comments were almost meant to kind of um, quell any concerns that Xbox is about to go third party in a couple years. I think that was his biggest uh, concern because what Phil Spencer doesn't want to see happen is 
people start getting worried so much about Xbox going third party that they just stop buying Xbox consoles right now. And then now you're you've got a, a console that's already getting outsold, you know, two to one in the United States, seven to one in Europe, 16 to one in Spain. Uh, and we don't even want to talk about Japan. And it's just going to make it 10 times worse because now no, nobody believes you're going to be around. So I think it was more of a damage control quote um, that I don't think necessarily contradicts what Tim Stewart's saying. I think he's just being more literal, uh, that being Phil, and saying we don't have any tangible plans right now to make that happen. Um, now, whether whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. But I guess that's kind of my point is I have been I feel like I've been spun around in a big circle and I am no clearer on where Xbox's future is than I was before these two started talking about this whole Game Pass thing. True, true. So that's the problem. One thing that I think that even though we lament Sony and Nintendo for being so so quiet and keeping everything in the tuck, the one thing that I give them credit for about that is that they don't open up a lot of room for misinterpretation and confusion. Xbox's biggest problem is that, yes, while it's great that they're so uh, front-facing and they're, they're so willing to sit down for interviews and talk to people, whether it's Sarah Bond, Matt Booty, uh, Phil, or whoever, the problem is, is that they're all saying something that's slightly different from each other, like you said. And the, the key to a successful business is, is when your executive leadership is all fully aligned and fully clear on the direction of your, your product or your business. The fact that your CFO is saying something that differs from what you're saying, as in Phil, that's problematic to me because that just tells me there's there's internal misunderstandings about exactly what Xbox is being yep. put in position to become. So how can I know for sure whether the Xbox I know is dying or not when it doesn't even seem like they're fully clear on that? So... It, it it wasn't a very confidence building week, in my opinion, as an Xbox fan. I think if yeah. anything, it just made me feel more. Um, it 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 just shrouded my understanding of Xbox in in more ambiguity. Uh, if the question is, do I think that Xbox is going to be wiped off the map and go out of business entirely? Of course not, because they have so many hands and so many different cookie jars right now that they don't ne necessarily need to bank on having a great console. Um, uh, a, a great selling console to be successful. They have a lot of different avenues of, 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 of revenue and profit now in various different places. But as far as what their actual like vision is, I have no clue, man. I have no clue. Yeah, and, and there's no subtlety when it comes to interpreting these things because there are people that I saw who were either baiting or were genuinely asking if the example is Hellblade 2 going to come out on PlayStation 5, you know, like after these those comments were made, I, I, I even had someone ask me is, 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 is like, uh, what did, what did they ask me? Oh, does that mean that Elder Scrolls six is not going to be on everything? Like, because they're, they're all they saw was Tim Stewart saying that they're, they're going to bring game pass to, playstation and nintendo you know but that's why you got to be careful with these kind of things because you know that social media they're not going to take this at face value they're going to extrapolate and kind of interpret things their own way and already saying oh xbox is giving up they're 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 putting everything on everything because they they can't sell consoles like that's that's not what 
Tim Stewart was saying, but you know that's kind of where the messaging goes in the more when you talk about it in a more extreme way. But yeah, so you yeah. want to kind of quail those 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 uh those conversations because they don't really. They, they don't really help you at all. Yeah. Well, to me, what, what I think Xbox needs to do is they need to draw a line in the sand for people at this point. They need to be very clear and very concise about what is going to be coming out on other consoles and what is not coming out on other consoles. This whole case-by-case case thing is it's a form of fence straddling that I think is getting really annoying to me because it people shouldn't have to wonder if the next Hellblade's coming to PlayStation or not. I mean, the first game did, so you can make an argument that maybe it would make sense to put it out there, or maybe it makes sense for Xbox to keep it. I think Xbox has left things too unclear and open-ended for too long, and I think they just need to rip the Band-Aid off and say, look, everything that we've acquired is going to stay on Xbox platforms. Sorry. With the exception of Call of Duty and whatever they have contractual obligations to, to, to maintain, like Minecraft and so on. Everything else after this point is staying here. So that way people can make a, an educated decision on whether the Xbox ecosystem is a viable route for them as a gamer, as a consumer, and then go from there. But they, they, they're straddling the fence so damn long the neighbors are watching. And it's like, it's just <laughs> getting, it's, it's getting irritating. Like, and now you have, like, we don't even know what, what the hell Game Pass is even aiming to achieve now like i get that they you know and part of the quote that tim stewart says we want to make sure it's on smart tvs we want to make sure it's a part of geforce now we want to make sure it's on smartphones like so you know that that's one thing but when you're directly addressing competitors and when tim stewart himself is saying something to the effective i think it was like people that we once used to consider competitors in playstation and nintendo why the hell are you saying that they used to be competitors to you that's a whole different mind shift uh, of 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 thought, where it's like, okay, is is that how everybody in Microsoft looks at PlayStation and Nintendo now? You guys don't see them as your competition, you know? Like that's that's weird. That's a whole different subject, almost in in a way, right? Like if you don't see PlayStation as a competitor to you in the video game arena, I don't. I mean, what what are you doing? Are you just being like? intentionally aloof are you trying to like circumvent like having to say your third place is it like an image issue that you're having like that's what i feel like it could be yeah and i also think that a lot of the whole case by case basis to go back to what you said there i just think it's phil trying to be the best video game guy you know like we want everybody to play our games and so we're going because so far besides the minecraft and obviously what we're going to see with call of duty down the road every case has been that every first party game has been exclusive to xbox so it's kind of like i think we have to stop that uh giving the space of people kind of to, to, to wonder because it just at, at certain points it just becomes a a a a, a stupid conversation to have uh honestly you know yeah and then when it does come out only for xbox people are like uh gatekeepers because phil promised or phil said something different you know so whatever yeah this this time that that we've had this year could have been spent having the, the community like coping with the reality of like okay that's not going to come out on playstation so i'm either going to get an xbox series x or s or i'm not like you could have given people time to like process that and make a decision before the holidays but i think this year has kind of been squandered in a way of just him continuously being wishy-washy and, and i get a lot of that was also because of the ABK deal and, and all the litigations about that and he had to watch right. his words and be very careful yeah. so i i'm not 
I'm not pretending like there weren't reasons for him to to keep kind of the, the real game plan under wraps. It's just that now that the dust has settled and the deal is done with ABK, it doesn't seem like that's really changed much about like everyone being unified in whatever the mission of Game Pass truly is right now. So Seems that's, more that's confusing. Yeah, it is. It is. It just opens up more possibilities and scenarios. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe that's a good problem to have if you're them. Maybe that gives them more options and more ways to kind of finesse Game Pass in a way that works. Um, so I'm not necessarily trying to pin this as a, as a negative. It's just that Clarity is essential for people to want to buy in literally to your console. Um, it, yeah. Games aren't cheap and consoles aren't cheap. You know, I mean, granted, the Series X is on sale for like 350 bucks uh, on yeah. Walmart. So that was cool. But like realistically, games are going to be an expensive and, investment and people want to know what they need to know. It's very right. simple. And they just don't have enough clarity right now. And I think that the, also part of that is it's a whole catch-22. If you're going to go subscription-based as your main way of staying in the console market, you, if you're not kind of diversifying and putting that on other things, there's a cap to the amount of people that are going to be able to subscribe to your um, to, uh, to to Xbox Game Pass. So, like, I, Tim Stewart's conversation... Uh, words about it going on on playstation nintendo just means to me like you know expanding the subscription base which is their main core thing and so it just feels like it, it like i said a cash 22 you, you you want more subs but if you keep it exclusive to a specific amount of things there is a cap eventually and so they'll need to grow that somehow and yeah, so that's a good point you know we'll see we'll see what we'll see what happens there i i feel like i think in the future, like very near future, maybe next console cycle, I think Game Pass could come to PlayStation and Nintendo, but it won't have like the first party. Oh, games. it's a very have, diet Game Pass experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, like th- I think that that could happen to to kind of bump up their subs. Uh, but you know, which I I think would be a good idea, I guess. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say before we move on um, is. To the people who have Xboxes, and if you're kind of feeling a bit unclear about how to how to take your experience with Xbox, I think just just do what feels best. I mean, I know that for me, lately, it's been very hard to figure out like where I want to invest my money into like which digital library because of a lot of the weird don't knows about Xbox right now. Um, I think just do whatever feels comfortable for you. If you feel concerned about Xbox's future and you're not sure whether to commit your money to buying games in that ecosystem, then don't. Um, especially right. if you have the luxury of having a PlayStation 5 or another you know, a PC or whatever you use. Um, just do what feels comfortable. Don't feel like you're obligated to support Xbox to keep them alive. This is a trillion-dollar mega corporation we're talking about, so let's not act like they're damsels in distress. They're going to be fine. Ultimately, I think Xbox will still be around, so just don't let that tarnish your, your experience with owning the console. If you're having fun with your Xbox... By all means, have fun. Don't let these numbers and data points confuse you into thinking, oh, I'm actually not having a good time with this console. But just do what feels comfortable, um, and I think you'll have a good time. But uh, I just, yep. I'm just i seeing a lot of people looking at this news and a lot of the confusion and going, um, I don't know what to do with my Xbox now. Should I keep, you know? And that that's why I get so frustrated at Phil and the rest of the team, because this is the, the ripple effect that a lot of their internal... Um, mixed messaging can cause so it, it is their fault to to, to an extent um, but I just don't want gamers to run away with it too much and, and go overboard uh, if that makes sense but um, 
Look, Pablo, speaking of Xbox, though, um, Microsoft has hinted that they do have some exciting things for us uh, that are in store for us at the Game Awards uh, coming up very shortly. Uh, additionally, a few well-known industry insiders are cryptically saying they're excited for the show, too. So, you know, why don't, why don't we just have a little bit of fun with this, man? Let's, um, let's each predict a few things that we think Xbox will show off at the Game Awards. So uh, let me kick it over to you first. What do you got? Yeah, I got I got like a two easy ones and one kind of like hmm that super interesting. Okay. Uh, so Hellblade two, Set of Sacrifice, I think you know revealed at the Game Awards. Saga, uh, Senua's Saga. Uh, yeah, uh, was it? It's it, I, I hate the name of this game by the way. It's Senua's Saga, Hellblade two. I wish they just call it Hellblade two, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> Hellblade two, Yamama's pajamas. Um, it, it got <laughs> leave it my got mama out of this. It, she wears moo-moos, bro. <laughs> <laughs> got revealed in Game Awards, so I, I keep it going here. I, except I think that they'll show gameplay, yeah. and they'll actually have a release date here. Um, I honestly, mm. I, I'll make it even a little bit spicier. I think that Hellblade Two is coming out like in March. I think it'll be kind of with their first big first party game of the year. Uh, I think that that's what we're going to be seeing uh, with um, their, uh, you know, seeing at the Game Awards. Finally, seeing Hellblade gameplay and finally having a actual concrete release date. I think you can't show another CGI or weird non HUD gameplay thing yeah. and then no release date. Uh, I, that would just be insane, and I would, I would be thoroughly disappointed if that were to be the case um the second one here uh, for me is Baldur's gate 3 shadow dropping the day of the awards however i will say not on game pass i think the rumors will be half true larian is pushing that physical version of the game putting it on game pass would i feel undercut that though crazier things have happened for marco's sake i hope it is on game pass so he could finally jump on that as quick as possible uh but that's kind of where i'm at there now the big one and this is kind of where I think where uh, I hope that when people are talking about being excited for for the Game Awards, it, there has to be a big announcement. I'm going to go ahead and say Gear 6 shows up, not in any meaningful way, a title splash, uh, you know, finally confirming what we already know is happening, which would be the sequel to, to Gears 5. Um, here's where I... Here's where I kind of a little bit take it a little further, and this is probably just me figuring out a way how they would have that Gear Six splash, uh, title screen splash in a meaningful way, and that would be to finally announce and release the Gears Collection, and it won't be a remake; it'll just be a comprehensive remaster of each of those games, and then at the end of that, having that Gear Six splash screen come up and kind of wowing everybody. That's that's where I'm at with 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 what Xbox will be showing. Um, at the Game Awards. Yeah, we have one common denominator with Baldur's Gate 3 um, with the the shadow drop and coming to Game Pass thing. I think uh, that's probably a given at this point. It just seems, it just seems like that's the, the thing to do. Um, so mm -hmm. I'll say that one. My other predictions... Um, so uh, Sarah Bond tweeted the logo of the Xbox 360 uh, not too long yep. ago. My prediction, even though they've kind of said, no, we're not going to do this, no, we're not going to do this this year, I'm going to predict that all Xbox 360 Call of Duty titles are coming to Game Pass on Christmas Day. 
that's going to be the okay. announcement. Um, so, and they're going to be like auto HDR enhanced and stuff like that. I don't think they need FPS boosts because they're all 60 frames, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. that, that should be fine. But I think they'll be like beefed up like that. Um, Let's so go world at war. Little Christmas Day surprise for the community. Um, I went a little big on this one because I think... Uh, if there's one thing Xbox needs, it's that one game that kind of like makes people talk. And uh, you had Gears Six as your choice in slash Gears Collection uh, as a prediction. I'm actually gonna go balls out and say I would love to see, and you're gonna roll your eyes, but a, a teaser for the Perfect Dark reboot re-reveal. <laughs> you know, I literally almost said when talking about Gears Six, like, because there's no way they're gonna show Perfect Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that because I right, right. I, I think that that would be because if I'm not mistaken, Perfect Dark was originally revealed either at a Summer's Game Fest or or, or Game Awards no, a couple was, years ago, right? It was Game Awards, yeah. It, it was, was Awards, yeah. yeah. So Keeley already kind of has a a connection to that game anyway. So I think it'd be cool to show, and it might not be much. It might just be like a, you know a, a quick shot of her to see what she looks like maybe no gameplay or anything like that but maybe it's like a teaser and maybe we'll find out more at a future developer direct early next year but i'm i'm gonna say a perfect dark teaser i think would be a really cool way to go to reignite the fans um with something that they didn't expect to see because i think we're all kind of like mentally thinking it's about time to see gear six now um and i would love to see xbox go yeah we have that but we're gonna circumvent your expectations here and we're going to do this instead and really get you like going oh crap this is coming and yeah. this is back and perfect dark is back and it's you know that's kind of the momentum i think they need to start building when it comes to mindshare again so yeah I, I mean i i i agree that they do need to do that my only thing is is one of the mistakes that they've made is showing perfect dark a little too early because they had no idea what that game was oh, going to be course, at the time yeah. where they announced it so if they have internally if they haven't if they have a pretty good idea of what that game is going to be which from what we've seen they do and they're on on they're, they're definitely now on course to make that game the way that the way they want um then show it but if you're still kind of like wishy-washy don't don't show this game and then have us wait another three years for it <laughs> like uh, that 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 the xbox has been doing that so i mean look 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 at uh look at hellblade 2 uh you know show it in 2020 and you know here we are 2024 uh next year and and we don't even know if it's coming out they say it's phil has said that we don't have much to wait for for Hellblade Two, but if it comes out twenty fall twenty twenty four, that's a long time to wait, Phil. Uh, so like it's, I I just hope that Xbox has learned their their lesson. I know that um if I'm saying her name right, Tia Amini is heading uh up th the the way that they kind of show produce these kind of things, um and she's from IGN and she's been on many shows back when she worked at IGN talking about what how different how these things should be shown and i hope that she takes that and then kind of makes that work uh in terms of um uh, of showcasing something that's plausible uh and 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 interesting and not just kind of like bullshit uh splash screens like i said gear six is gonna do <laughs> hey man now neither one of us actually brought up indiana jones are we thinking that's not gonna happen 
I think I think it could. I, I think uh, no it's Harrison just here. Ford I, I, looking at oh corny ass Jeff Keeley. Well, with here's the, the thing. What, what, <laughs> it could be my problem. My thing is that Harrison Ford has said that he's no longer playing the character, so I don't know if he'll even voice the character. I, I have a feeling they're gonna go young Indiana Jones, but I think that if they're you know uh, Phil Spencer loves rubbing elbows with Hollywood, and Indiana Jones is obviously a you know a well known film franchise, and so that would make a lot of sense here. Um, it's just, I, I didn't put it in mind cause I'm a, I'm an Indiana Jones fan. And even then I'm not particularly excited for this game itself. So I, that's one of the reasons why I didn't put it on here. Just cause I was like, that, that, does, that wouldn't really like excite me too much unless the game looks absolutely incredible, which it could cause you know, uh, machine games is making it and they, and they, they make great games. Yeah, but they do. yeah, yeah I, I think definitely it's a possibility. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I could definitely see Jeff Keighley bringing Harrison Ford on stage or something like that. And you know, Jeff, he's, oh my God, I can't believe I'm standing next to Harrison Ford. Oh my I God. Think if, I don't think it would be Harrison Ford. I think it'd be um, Steven Spielberg. Mm, maybe. he uh, directed yeah. those. That'd be, yeah. yeah. That I think it would be him, if anything. Yeah. I would take that over yeah. Harrison Ford, just kind of looking at Jeff like, what a fucking loser. <laughs> he's like, where am I? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! When I grow up into an old, when I grow up, when I when I become an old man, I want I want Harrison Ford's voice right now. This current, I want to, I just want to. I'm I'm not a mean guy by nature, but I want something to change in me when I turn seventy. I just want to be a, a curmudgeon. Mm. Uh, that's what I would love to be, just you're, like him. Well, you're mean towards Baldur's Gate three, but that's neither here nor there. Let's move on, Pablo, because uh, <laughs> oh, God. while we're on the subject of predictions for the game awards why don't we uh let's not just stop at xbox predictions let's make a few more predictions about other reveals or trailers or announcements that we think we're going to see at the game awards so what do you got that's outside of xbox that you're hoping to see there yeah i monster hunter world 2 is is the game that i think capcom has kind of been hinting towards uh and they say it's coming out soon sooner rather than later but we still haven't seen any of it so i think that monster hunter world 2 is going to show up here and it's going to have a release date um my other one is pretty i think it's a safe bet death stranding 2 um I think Kojima's going to be on stage this time, and he and not only that, we're going to see a really fucked up "What the Hell's Happening" trailer, which I can't wait to see. But I'll go further and say I think there will be a release window of fall or winter 2024, giving him the space to possibly even just um, delay it if they need to to 2025. But and then the last one, Marco, you're going to roll your eyes so hard at this motherfucker. I know you are because you, you you've called me delusional for this before. But I think that. You know, there are a few games that have... Oh. That, no, 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 hold on, hold on. They haven't had their console announcement or or even given possible releases. I, I'm going to say this. It's a few games. It's kind of like a multi-part You thing. always cheat. I think... Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I no because I think it's going to be like... These games are finally... We're going to see them coming out on console. Uh, I think Pizza Tower is going to have its its console release. I think System Shock Remake is going to have its, re, uh, its console release. And of course... Twilight Princess, Edward Waker <laughs> HD I knew it, will yeah. finally come out and, and, and his collection will be ready to go here. Uh, I think all those games, I think Pizza Tower might come out like Shadow Drop and System Shock may even because they said that game was ready to go too for consoles. But I think Twilight Princess and, and the Wind Waker HD collection come out next year. Uh, but I think, 
you know, based on the fact that a lot of these games are either, um, with the exception of System Shock, with the exception of System Shock, sorry, I think that a lot of these games have been nominated, like the Zelda's been nominated, and, and, and Nintendo has a presence in the Game Awards uh, in terms of its nominations, uh, and Pizza Tower being nominated for um, for indie game. I think that we'll finally see those games get a console release uh, date and announcement. Well, we had a couple of those in common until you decided to be a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had Death Stranding as a prediction as well. I also had a release window for twenty. I just said twenty twenty four, but uh, okay. I also thought fall ish would be. I think that they. I, I would expect we need to wait and see what GTA Six's release date is going to be, right. and I think people are going to you know announce release dates around that as much as oh, possible. Absolutely. Um, I also had Monster Hunter revealed. Uh, I also think that's a twenty twenty four game as well. Uh, I added Elden Ring Shadow of the Earth Tree, um, getting a new trailer um, coming next year. I, but my little twist is I, I have a feeling it's going to end up being a standalone game and not just a expansion. Yeah, I had that on my I had that on my list for a long time until they uh, one of the developers of the game said that they, that is actually really far off. He goes, "Don't expect that game anytime that uh, that don't expect that anytime soon." Is literally what he said. So, mm. but they still could show. Maybe it the year is wrong, but maybe the, maybe I got the year wrong. But I, I still no, think no, we're no. going to see something. I still think they show it. I, I mean, I think that's a really, uh, you know, that's a good prediction because you know, I th- if I'm not mistaken, didn't Elden Ring get like its big announcement and, and, and showcase in terms of gameplay at the Game Awards? I think that happened. Uh, so I believe so. Yeah. So I, be wrong, I, I think that that makes perfect sense. Uh, at least a teaser for for that, which. As a standalone, that yeah. and the fact that and the fact that they said it's not coming anytime soon, maybe leads me to believe that maybe it is more of a standalone. There, there's a lot more work going into it than maybe first uh, anticipated. So, yeah, I didn't even want to say it like this, but I almost feel like it's going to just end up becoming the sequel, full full stop. I mean, it could. I mean, because I, I I have a feeling that that their ideas are probably getting bigger and bigger, and it's just not going to make sense to sell that expansion at 20 or 30 bucks anymore it's probably going to end up being a standalone game that's why i predict and seeing the success of tears of the kingdom kind of using the same map and you know i think that yeah you know i think elden ring could probably do that as well and i think it would be okay if they managed to find interesting ways to 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 kind of make that game feel different like uh, tears of the kingdom did yeah exactly yeah so i'm thinking it's going to be elden ring 2 shadow of the earth tree is going to be the fire the final thing can't wait uh i got a couple of random ones okay. um liza p dlc mm-hmm. i feel like we might see something there uh, yeah i don't want to spoil the ending of liza p and what we saw as the teaser but if we see some of that i'll be hyped yeah um i actually i wrote dead space 2 teaser here i don't know Ooh. um i i don't know if that's what that studio is working on right now i didn't take a look honestly there's something that came to mind while we were recording actually but um I would love to see at least a teaser for that okay. to confirm that they're going to keep coming back to that um, that trilogy and um, work on it some more. I'm, I'm really hyped to play Dead Space 2 um, after enjoying the first remake a whole lot. Uh, and I also had Venom DLC uh, in some kind of teaser form for Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Um, since Spider-Man 2 uh, has been a part of Jeff Keighley's uh, presentations in the past, I think that it could be cool to see a little glimpse into what the future holds for expansion content for Spider-Man 2. Yeah. So that could be interesting, I, uh, but that's kind of what I, I I also had a few ones that I kind of took out because they've actually sent, not been confirmed, but, but we'll rumored. Throw them out. Yeah, what, what do you got? Uh, so I had um, 
the I know that Sam Lake had said that there was some significant DLC coming out for Alan Wake 2 before the end of the year. That's already kind of been leaked that it's possibly New Game Plus, and they're adding new things to New Game Plus to make it part of the story, which is cool. Yeah. Based on that, I think Starfield DLC will also uh, show up here uh, because ah, uh, that's a good yeah, one. They, that's a good they one. They talked about that for a while, and then all the conversations happening now, and the weird <laughs> fucking uh, the devs responding to reviews and kind of like all that shit like happening now just feels kind of like weird timing so possibly they're trying to get the player count up to kind of announce that um but yeah that those are the two things i had i had one more thing oh i i I had this and i raced it just because i don't think playstation would do this but i said oh what if they show ghost of tsushima 2 like a teaser trailer here um yeah but i I feel like they'd want to keep that for themselves exactly exactly and you know we'll, we'll see what happens here, uh, Jeff Keighley has seemed a little more subdued in terms of hyping it up. I think that's on purpose. I think he already knows that people are going to watch the show. Like you said, insiders and people who are in the know are particularly excited. So when I thought about that in my head, it's just like these big announcements were going to happen there. So uh, since he did miss out on, on, on Grand Theft Auto 6. So, yeah. That he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank God, too, because... Grand Theft Auto doesn't need Jeff Keighley for anything. And I think <laughs> I, and sweet. I, and I think it would have. I think it would have won damage. I think it would have damaged the Game Awards if they showed that in yeah. the beginning. Then people are just going to be fuck the Game Awards show. We're going to like dissect this trailer. If they show it at the end, that's all they're going to be talking about. They're not going to be talking about the Game Awards. So it, it just feels like it honestly worked out for Jeff in that in that way. Yeah. Yeah. One thing people have been asking. This is a sidetrack here before we get to the main event of the show, but like. People have been wondering if there's going to be a marketing, uh, exclusive marketing agreement in place with GTA 6 with either PlayStation or Xbox. Do you think that's going to happen this time around? And who do you think will end up, if this is true, getting the exclusive marketing agreement? I think it will happen because why not? And I think that's how these devs make extra money based on, you know, already their sales. And I think it'll be on PlayStation. I I mean, there's, I, I just don't think. I, I honestly think that PlayStation uh, is the market leader right now, and it doesn't make any sense for anybody to have an exclusive marketing deal with Xbox, especially for such a big game. Because if you want to really, uh, you really want to penetrate the market, you're gonna go with the 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 the, the person or the company that has the most uh, market share. And I and if there is one, which I think there will be, it'll be on it'll be on PlayStation Five for sure. That, that's just that's yeah. my opinion on that. How about you? I don't think there's going to be one, actually. Um, I, I think that it, GTA at right now, it, it's it's left earth in terms of hype. I mean, single posts on <sighs> X right now are just in the millions right Breaking now. Breaking records. Mean, they, I mean, I guess if they want the free money, why not? But um, I just don't know what they... It, it's just not a necessity at this point for GTA 6. I think GTA is just in a different stratosphere. Uh, stratosphere yeah. Rather. Um, so... I don't think they're gonna, there's going to be one. I'd be actually surprised if there is one this time. Well, I know that, that Rockstar and PlayStation have been cozy over the years, uh, for sure. So if I had to pick one, I would also agree with you that PlayStation would probably be the place. But I don't know, man. Phil is Phil is kind of a wild boy. That's I don't true. Know. But I, I'm also looking at it from the standpoint of the online component. You know, hey, the marketing would be like, oh, you get some money or you get some, you know, that is true. Things like yeah, this for the, the online stuff. So like that, the, I think yeah. that's where the marketing, in terms of like the difference between the PlayStation Five and Xbox versions, would be like, oh, you get exclusive content 
for the online stuff. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. That is a good point. Um, well, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We won't have too much longer, hopefully, to find out. Uh, but yeah, in the meantime, that's going to do it for our new segment, Hit Points, this week. But look, before we keep going, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you've made it this far and you've been enjoying what you've been hearing, uh, we'd really love it if you consider subscribing to our uh, little old podcast right now while you're here. Uh, you can obviously do it right where you're at uh, if you haven't already. You can also find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google or pretty much anywhere that you like to stream podcasts. Um, and maybe while you're there, uh, if you're so inclined, you can leave a nice review for us and five stars to tell other people how much you're enjoying what we do, uh, because that goes a long way in boosting us up search results and get us in the right place in terms of algorithm. Um, and especially for people who have listened to the show for a while um, and have subscribed to us for a good amount of time. First of all, thank you for doing that. You can be anywhere listening to anybody talk about video games, but you chose us and that means something. But uh, if you want to just kind of go the extra mile, if you got a couple seconds, just punch in five stars, say a couple nice things about us, tell us that we're funny and cute and, uh, you know, all, the, <laughs> and all that good stuff. Uh, and and that'll, that, all jokes aside, that would seriously go a long way for us. So uh, appreciate it in advance. Uh, and for all the new listeners of the show, um, like I said, subscribe if you want to. It's, it doesn't cost you a thing. If, if you end up deciding we're not quite for you, then no problem. But uh, it would mean a lot to us if you can commit to a few episodes and just kind of feel us out while we're uh, going through all our end-of-year content like we are planning to do. Uh, like, like we said earlier top of the show we're doing like game of the year deliberations we have uh, 12 categories like best visuals best story best moments biggest disappointment uh all kinds of awards that we're going to be uh deciding winners and losers for uh in just a few short weeks uh so plenty of good reasons to come and, and check us out in the coming weeks here uh so please consider doing so if you haven't already but uh I babbled on enough about getting you guys to support us. Let's go ahead and go right into the main event of the show called the Checkpoint Chat. It's time for the Checkpoint Chat. All right, so we are here with more year-end coverage of 2023. And uh, a couple weeks back, we spent some time giving out grades to each of the big three, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo. Now we're going to start shifting gears and start talking a little bit more about the games of 2023. We thought that since... 2023 has been such a big year packed with all these AAA bangers that hogged up all the attention. Uh, we thought it would be kind of cool to shine a light on some of the uh, lesser known games of the year that were some of our favorites and maybe even recommend a few of them to some of you who may have missed out. Uh, so what me and Pablo have done is we've compiled uh, two different lists, one for him, one for me, of our top five sleepers of 2023. Uh, so we're going to go through these from five all the way up to number one to tell you which ones are our favorites and then we're going to explain why um so pablo um let's tackle this thing round robin like we usually do uh, i'd love to go ahead and kick it over to you first and tell all the people your fifth favorite sleeper pick of 2023 i made some last minute changes here um marco had convinced me earlier about lies of p which i had on my list which probably doesn't really fit on here but a little shout out to lies of p obviously i still don't yeah. think it gets like enough of its flowers uh, even though a lot of people have sung its praises i think this game is truly special and it accomplished a lot of the things that people who make souls like would love to accomplish but 
let's let's move on from that. My number five game, it's a game I already talked about today, and that's Chance of Sonar. I think that obviously the aesthetic, just the vibe of the game, the story, the ingenious kind of uh, language based puzzle uh, gameplay, it's it's it all works in in tandem, and it really it gives you an experience that you've never, I, I personally you you've never had before in, in in any kind of video game, specifically in any puzzle type of game. And so I think Chance of Sonar is a game that if you're a fan of puzzle games or you want a unique experience in video games i think you should definitely check this out yeah man um yeah you've been pretty high on that one from uh the last couple days uh i i guess so i mean it's 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 kind of cool that a game that's that unique uh can can manage to end up being a highlight for you uh in 2023 um but yeah yeah cool to see it there and hopefully more eyes will be on it uh now that uh folks like you are touting it's uh how good it is yeah so Let's move forward here. Uh, I'll go ahead and drop my number five game. Um, my number five, as far as a sleeper, is Arcade Paradise. Um, this is available on Game Pass and other platforms as well. Uh, it is essentially, it's it's like a business sim, uh, in a sense. It is uh, The premise is that you are kind of working uh, at your dad's laundromat, uh, and you're basically doing a lot of the upkeep and, and day-to-day management of that operation but the laundromat happens to have this little arcade area tucked away in the corner that you as the character are more interested in kind of building up uh and throughout the course of of the game uh you start you know getting opportunities to put more arcade units in uh there uh you start getting really deeper into the nuances of how much you want to charge per game and you start really kind of business simming the whole thing up while uh simultaneously having to manage the day-to-day operations of cleaning up literally cleaning up the toilets to uh you know taking the money out of the arcade machines and it just it's very like oddly engaging um which is you know unconventional for me since i'm not a huge fan of business sim type of experiences but there's just something about it that really clicks and works and uh the aesthetic is really neat and interesting um it's it's got this like pseudo surrealist almost like hotline miami style to like this retro thing that it does it's hard to explain uh but it works really well and it's just all out fun now frankly i haven't had enough time to invest in it as i wanted to um if I'm being honest, I probably should have spent more time on it while I've had this little lull period. But um, I, I do plan on coming back to it because it did really capture my attention. And I do know some people offline who uh, really, really enjoyed it for what it was. So it just seemed like a throwaway game on Game Pass that I looked at one day. But the more I played it, the more I'm like, actually, this is kind of fire. So Arcade Paradise is one worth checking out. And I will say that, yes, you can play some of the arcade games that you do bring into uh, the, the, the uh, laundromat. So you do get kind of that like two in one appeal of being able to play these old school like old 90s uh style arcade games uh within the business sim aspect of the game too so pretty fun yeah that's pretty dope. um i remember you talking about that earlier this year i've not gotten around to it uh definitely not my kind of game either but i mean it sounds pretty cool it, it wasn't for me either but i actually yeah. kind of got into it so maybe try it out you might you might actually feel different about it um up next for you, Pablo, is your number four pick. What do you got here? Yeah, it's Robocop Rogue City. Uh, for me, you know, coming into this year, a surefire dud, at least I thought. I mean, come on. It's a licensed game based off of Robocop. Who the fuck does that? Well, apparently they do, and they do a great job. Faithful adaptation of the beloved Robocop film series, and it is just a blast to play. It is a first-person shooter, and you play Alex Murphy, which is the, t- the titular Robocop. I, I think that... It, 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 it the writing of the game understood the the assignment 
uh, and they're right at home with the first film's approach to action-packed film with some heart. I think that the way that the game is 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 uh, particularly the visual, it, 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 it's it's good to it's nice to look at. But I think that just the moment-to-moment gameplay is really fun. I like the side quests that are actually pretty uh, involved. They're not just throwaway side quests. Some are, but for the most part, they actually build your character uh, and kind of uh, gives you the ability to kind of. Play the way you want to play the game and and kind of build Alex Murphy in a way that you would want him to be uh, in terms of a character. And I think that's so much going for this game other than it just being a shooter. Uh, that was really shocking and surprising to see when when I started playing and how how much heart this game has. And I, and I really I really loved uh, my time with Robocop Rogue City. Definitely a, a high, I recommend uh, people to play this game for sure. Yeah, I was supposed to get my hands on this game uh through Gamefly, but I think it's just been a shipping snafu or something, so I gotta wait a little longer to play it, but I should be able to talk more about it next week, but I am excited to, uh, to, to try it out. Um, I really, really like the atmosphere, uh, or the sense of atmosphere, I should say, from what I've seen of the game. Um, I don't expect the shooting to be like a revelation by any stretch of the imagination, but it does look like a pretty fun time, um, and I'm curious to see what they do with the story, and just kind of if it's just as worthwhile as people have been saying it is, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of hyped to try it out, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, my number four, uh, is a game that I've kind of had somewhat of a love hate relationship with earlier this year. Um, and that is the expanse, a telltale series. So, uh, obviously telltale games, uh, you know, the, the makers of the walking dead and, uh, the wolf among us, um, they, they come out with this episodic game based on the expanse, which is a sci-fi uh, novel slash TV show that was on Amazon for a couple years that I really, uh, enjoy thoroughly. So needless to say, it was kind of one of those, um, like a perfect storm of wow. Telltale doing one of my favorite sci-fi franchises is pretty, uh, pretty cool. Um, and overall I would say I really, uh, I didn't, I did come around and enjoy it a good bit. Uh, it, it's not as great as, the walking dead was or the wolf among us was. Um, but I, I will say that, um, what it lacked, I think in terms of like big story moments and like unforgettable characters, I do think that this game does do a slightly better job when it, when it comes to actual gameplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not necessarily just a walking sim where let's walk around a a kitchen and here's a, let's hold up this object and say something pointless about it. Like there's a little (laughs) bit more intentionality to, uh, like what you're doing in the game um, as far as kind of what you and your crew are doing to kind of scavenge and, and basically stay alive uh, in a very you know troubling time in the world of like the intergalactic conflict that's going on. Um, I did appreciate a lot of that, even if it did get slightly repetitive sometimes. Um, but I will say, you know, I think it wrapped up on a really good uh, high and the, um, the uh, bonus episode that came out for it I think was really cool especially as a fan of the TV show so uh, I did enjoy that quite a bit and I thought you know what even though I didn't love everything about it I still think that it is worth saying uh, it is a decent to good sleeper pick uh, for this year so yeah. The Expanse I mean it's Telltale's return and nobody's talking about this game which is super weird not really considering yeah. you know that Telltale's is a beloved studio now it's not the Telltale we all know but it's still a game that it, it works when 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 uh, with the writing and I, and I I agree with you. I don't think it's like the best Telltale game. I don't think it's one of the better games of the year. However, it is definitely I think a game that people should be experiencing more than they than they are. 
for sure. Yeah, if it's yeah, if it's one of those things where if you see it on sale for like fifteen bucks or something like that, yeah, I think it's a great pickup for that price. I I, I think when when I got it or when well when we got it at the price we paid for it, it was still discounted. It wasn't like a full price seventy dollar no, no, game, no. but even then it was still like eh, it doesn't quite feel. Forty dollars, great. It, it's more of a good fifteen, twenty buck experience that I think you'll enjoy, if you, especially if you're a fan of this source material. Oh, absolutely, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But go ahead and uh, drop your number three pick, man. What do you got next? Yeah, my number three is Immortals of Avium. Uh, you know, a first person shooter where you use your fingers. You know, finger shooter. Woo, my favorite. No, but it really, it, <laughs> it really works really well. Um, I think that this game is barred by its delays and i think that almost zero marketing by one of the biggest video game companies in the world really put the nail on the coffin in this game when it didn't really need to be all that i think it has incredible potential i think the story is engaging i think that the world that they built in immortals of avium is super interesting i like the characters the main character could be a little bit of a jerk and he could wear a little thin at times but i think overall the quality of the game is here fully voiced uh great action uh, like I said, the great world. I, I think that this game is is a really good game, and I think any other year, Immortals of Avium would stand out a little bit more. Unfortunately, that's just not the case. This, this game came and went almost immediately. Uh, came out during a time where it was jam packed with other releases surrounding it, but that doesn't mean that the game at, it shouldn't deserve to be uh, talked about. I think that really the quality of the game is 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 outstanding and i and i really feel like more people should be playing mortals of avium just based on the fact that it is a it is a double a kind of game but it doesn't really feel like that it does feel triple a for most of the time and i think that they've done a really good job with it i feel like a sequel to mortals of avium would have been fantastic kind of ironing out all the kinks how unfortunately that's not going to happen uh, i think the studio that made Immortals of avium no longer exists to begin with uh but it's such a shame because you know it's 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 really easy to kind of shit on these kind of games that that really just come out of nowhere it was announced like i think earlier this year or like late last year i uh, remember yeah not yeah. people were, were, were too interested in it it <clears throat> showed out pretty okay but i think that the game definitely plays a lot better than than it, it may suggest and i think the story is way better than it has any right to to be and i really enjoyed my time with it yeah, actually, I played the trial for mm -hmm. this um, when they started doing that not too long ago. Um, I thought it was fine. I mean, it, it was hard to get a real grasp of what like the game has to offer truly, but mm -hmm. um, I was impressed in some areas with like the movement and uh, the fluidity of combat felt pretty good. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Ghostwire Tokyo mm -hmm. with like using your hands for powers and uh, stuff like that, but um, I think... It, the Unreal Engine 5 effect, uh, not to get too like in the weeds with technical stuff, but Unreal Engine 5 is kind of eating ass right now. It's just like like performance-wise, it, it, was, it was kind of all over the place a little bit um, in my trial run, um, which I think they got to figure that out for games that are going to have Unreal in the future. No HDR was kind of a bummer because it looked like one of those games that could really yeah, benefit from that. So just, that. Yeah, the presentation to me, like it, it doesn't look bad. I'm not saying it looks ugly. It's just that there's just so much more you can extract out of a game that like that that they just didn't do. And I think the third problem, I mean, like it's a new IP. It's not. No one was really clear on what it was. Launching this at seventy bucks to me just wasn't the right decision for EA. This should have been a like a fifty dollar title. Get people in the door. Um, get them to be fans of the franchise. Then if you do a sequel, 
you know, then by all means, six, seventy bucks is totally okay. Struck a struck a deal with 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 Game Pass and 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 PlayStation Plus, yeah. and you know, get people to really because I don't think in my head I was like EA really shouldn't have been expecting this game to sell crazy. So why not at all? Why not make some money up front and get those games on platforms to get this IP rolling and give the opportunity to the devs to make a sequel? You know, because uh, I think it has all the things that it, that needs to be great. It's just it's not there yet, obviously. So. So if again, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of, of giving game devs the opportunity to make a sequel of a new IP based on the simple fact that I think that it could make whatever the ideas they made had they had a scrap for for whatever reason they could bring them back and and just it, it really had a nice core to to expound upon and unfortunately it's never going to get that opportunity based on not the game's deficiencies though it does have some but based on the fact that they pretty much put this game out to die. You know that. Yeah, that that right there. That's the thing. It's like, why do all this work to put this thing out just to send it to die? Basically, this is more of that EA baffling like business decision stuff. I just don't understand with them, man. Yeah. Like they, they, you know, I, I agree. This game had serious potential to be like a mainstay if they had played their cards better. But I think even the marketing rollout was just weird. And it was just like strangely like like it didn't feel like they were confident. No. Uh, in this game yet there it was at 70 bucks like buy me like uh it ain't gonna happen man yeah. and and it really didn't i mean that the numbers were awful on steam like yeah, embarrassing baseball. yeah yeah so unfortunately i think we're not gonna get a sequel to this one but it's a shame if it you know if, it, if they play their cards better across the board could have been a much different story here for sure absolutely but um let's move on with my number three pick uh my third favorite sleeper of 2023 is none other than Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. This is the spiritual successor to uh, the cult classic series Jet Set Radio, of uh, formerly on the Dreamcast and OG Xbox, that um, faded into obscurity. And Sega has obviously moved on to making terrible Sonic games uh, since then, <laughs> and we have not seen a full-fledged return of, of Jet Set Radio yet, but uh, this game right here uh, is just that. It is a, uh, a very faithful, true-to-form, uh, very uh, stylish and fun and good-sounding game that I think really does live up to the legacy of Jet Set Radio and builds on it uh, tenfold with just um, you know a lot of really good, well thought out quality of life improvements to the core Jet Set Radio formula, um, improved mobility, uh, better better control schemes, better camera. Uh, these types of things really do go a long way, but it still retains that old school feel from the Dreamcast era, uh, right down to its visuals. Uh, some of its some of its jank even is 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 somewhat intentional to kind of make you feel like oh man like this feels like a game that I'm playing via backwards compatibility, um, but it's actually a brand new thing. So I just think they did a remarkable job of nailing the aesthetics, nailing the style, nailing the soundtrack, nailing the gameplay, and just expanding and building upon things that made the uh, Jet Set Radio series so great. Uh, it, it'll of course never be as good as what a full blown sequel could be uh, from Sega, but uh, we can dream that that is actually going to happen at some point in the future. But for now, this is a great stopgap that any fan of this franchise should check out immediately. So Bomb Rush Cyberfunk yep. is my number three. Yeah. Um, let's let's jump right into our number twos, man. Uh, 
It looks like you're up here. Yep. Why don't you go ahead and take it away? What do you got? Yeah, it's going to be Venba. Um, Venba is an experience that I had that I can. I, the thing is, I can really identify with this game for so many reasons. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, uh, around a lot of Latinos, being Puerto Rican myself, but living here since I've been like five or six years old. So there was that weird feeling of not belonging to either, you know, the the white people or Latino people and kind of like being in, a, in that weird world for a long time where even I myself tried to kind of not hide my roots, but never really spoke about, oh yeah, I'm Puerto Rican for a long time, just because in middle school specifically, just because I, I felt that I just didn't want to feel different. And so this game is really about that. It's about a family who's come to America or Canada, I should say, and they are trying to make it here. Uh, but by conserving their roots and conserving their belief systems and trying to put that onto their son who was born in, in Canada. So, and so seeing the, the son grow up, and kind of rejecting a lot of what the family roots were, the experiences were, was something that I can definitely, uh, I could definitely identify with. Uh, and then when you look at the game itself, basically this game is a visual novel and it has a cooking mini game system. And I, I love the the mixing of cultures with touchstones like food and particular belief systems being the main core of this game. Uh, Vemba is a game with a lot of heart, and it's just a lot of things about this game really touched me in ways that I wasn't expecting. I spent like the two hours length of this game basically tearing up the entire time. Um, it, it was just, there's just a lot of, it hit home in a lot of ways, in ways that I definitely was not expe- expecting at all. And it's a game that, you know, came out, uh, people talked about about it for a little bit, but it, it has since then, pe- people's really just, you know, been on the back burner, people not really talked about it since. And it, it's a shame. I, I know that, Marco, you weren't a big fan of the game itself, but uh, for me, it's a game that really spoke to me in ways that I really wasn't expecting. And I think if, at all, if, if you're looking for a unique experience, uh, experience about a family and their struggles and, 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 and maintaining who they are in a world that is foreign and alien to them, I think this is a game that, that, that really speaks to that in a lot of ways and i I loved venbuff so much yeah i never knock anybody who has you know such a you know an emotional reaction to something that hits home the way that certain video games can so you know even though it didn't do a lot for me um particularly with the cooking aspect of the game and some of the time jumps um i think were a little jarring i i do understand the other side of the coin quite well and and understanding like how this can hit home for so many different people out there uh when it comes to you know the race and and family dynamics and even just things as simple as is communication uh a lot of that does come to focus throughout this game uh and it, and, and the good thing is that it's a short game too so yeah. people that are interested in it and want to see if it, it resonates with you like it did for pablo won't eat up too much of your time at all so try it out if you can and uh you might feel you know kind of the way that he did mm-hmm. um so yeah Good pick. Um, my second favorite sleeper of 2023 is Coffee Talk 2 Hibiscus and Butterfly. Hey, let's go. Uh, the name of all names right there, by the way. That is just a <laughs> name-ass name. Uh, basically, uh, this is the sequel to uh, the first Coffee Talk, which is essentially a game about, uh, you know, you, are, you play the role of a coffee shop owner uh, who is basically just, who opens up a coffee shop only at night. 
and uh, it's a very quaint type of place, but a very cozy kind of uh, of, of shindig that uh, usually attracts a, a couple of regulars that come in, and uh, you serve them coffee, they talk about their lives, and you just kind of get to know them as people throughout the course of the game, and get to know their story arcs, their conflicts, their personal journeys, what they've been through, uh, and it ends up kind of becoming a really uh, you know engaging and touching story um, that the sequel, Hibiscus and Butterfly, builds upon. Um, by adding, you know, basically um, it, it takes the same key formula. It adds a couple of new uh, literal ingredients, uh, hibiscus and butterfly is, is kind of the, the main theme there. Um, and it just brings in either uh, some, some new and returning characters that come in and do the same kind of thing. Sit down, talk about their lives and, and uh, you know, what they're going through and their hardships and their triumphs and tragedies. And uh, it, it manages to create, you know, a really good connection uh, just as much as the first game, although I still prefer the first game quite a bit more. Um, I, I think that uh, one of the neat little angles about the game is that it's not actually just regular human people. It is set in a sort of uh, sensationalized fantasy version of a Seattle kind of a place where uh, these, you know, all the people that that you run into, uh, with some exceptions, are basically creatures of legend. There's like orcs and there's uh, elves and minotaurs and, you know, werewolves and stuff like that. And they use that as, uh, they use it in a really clever way to sort of especially when they talk about racial stuff uh they they kind of use that as a as a mechanism to talk about like the plight of what an orc used to go through back in the day and you know things like that and and there's obvious you know social commentary embedded in there about the state of our society and stuff like that too so there's a lot to pull from that uh as well and i just think that overall it left a really positive impression on me uh that made it a a, a great sleeper pick for me this year so it's a coffee talk too it's a comfy game too like i felt like oh the music is so yeah, chill, it's so. Uh, I I really do like this game. I, that's a good pick. I probably should have had it on my list too because I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's fantastic if you're a story driven gamer. But uh, it's time to get into our number ones. And Pablo, uh, interestingly enough, it looks like we both share the exact same game in this position. So why don't we just talk about these in tandem? Uh, and that is none other than Oxen Free Two Lost Signals. Uh, this is a sequel to Oxen Free, uh, which came out a couple years ago. And uh, the first game was about a little ragtag group of kids that, uh, you know, kind of uh, made their way to this this mysterious island for a fun little getaway type of thing. But there's this weird supernatural situation that's going on on the island. And uh, one thing leads to another, in so many words. And these kids end up kind of uh, embroiled in that situation. And uh, we're left off on a bit of a cliffhanger-ish kind of thing. And then so Oxenfree 2 comes in with a different group of main characters that come into the same uh, area. And uh, they're, they're going through their own unique personal uh, trials and tribulations themselves. Uh, but then there's also this supernatural element from the first game that makes a return. And uh, it's basically uh, incumbent upon these new characters to put a stop to that threat. And... Uh, Pablo, um, this was a game that we both had circled on our calendars uh, when it came out this year. Um, I would love to kind of get your thoughts first on what made Oxenfree 2 so special for you and some of the standout aspects of the game that really resonated with you the most. Yeah, I mean, it really, for me, the themes of the game are, uh, I think, are great themes. Overcoming and facing the past, the future, you know, uh, Riley, the main character of the game, uh, having 
that that baggage with her with her father and then all, how all that is resolved and how all that is kind of put into the game itself is is like nothing short of amazing I, also the characters with riley and jacob and 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 everybody else that you see in that game the way they come together and, and the way that each of them are, are are written and the dialogue i mean oxen free the first oxen free did was was really nailed dialogue and i think that they really did a good job with it here as well i mean these aren't teenagers. it's so natural yeah it's so natural sounding yeah. and, and you know with the first game there were teenagers and this game they're 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 older, and I think that that really matches uh, the it matches their age, like in terms of how they talk. And obviously, there's younger people in the game and and all that stuff. So I, I think everything they do with, with the story and how the story is set, the 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 Edward as Edward Edward no, it's not Edward Island. I forgot which one is the Camina Coast. I think it's where they're where they're at. And I love mm. that setting. I love um, the supernatural aspects. I, the they they have like a time shifting thing that they do. That's the they new, do yeah yeah. That that shit is so amazing. I, I, I love. I'm not a huge fan of like a puzzle, uh, environmental puzzles, and there are plenty in this game, or there are a few at least. And I love each and every one of them. I, I just think that the themes, like I mentioned, the gameplay, the writing, uh, it's just it's nothing short of amazing for me. I think that right now holding a 78 on Open Critic is blasphemous in every oh, way, man, shape, and form. I don't know what the fuck people were thinking. This is one of okay. the better games of the year. Uh, Heroin. Yeah, I love it. I love it. How about you, Marco? I know that you love it. You, too. you love heroin, or you love the game? What are we talking about right now? Well, I love heroin, and oh, I love okay. the game. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Black Tar Heroin over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, his sleeper pick for the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> look. I um, you know, with the premise of the game being what it is, I mean, you're essentially a group of of two people, Riley and Jacob, and they are essentially tasked with um, setting up these like weird satellite reading mechanisms across the island the transmitters to read to get readings about this supernatural thing that's going on in the sky uh and they don't necessarily know what's going on but people from the last game are gonna make their way in and kind of give them the 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 fill-in on what's happening whereas new characters in the game are worshiping the supernatural entity and want to kind of set it loose and set it free And, and and amidst that whole battle going on between these three different parties you have the supernatural threat itself which is sentient and able to talk and and do these weird trippy things to you during the game so there's a lot of weird x-filesy kind of uh fringe type of stuff that happens during your playthrough which are really interesting that's when pablo was talking about the time jump thing there's like weird little elements like that throughout the game there's also ancillary characters that you talk to via radio so if you ever played a game like uh like firewatch before where you're just talking to someone over a walkie-talkie. It's that same kind of thing, uh, but with other characters that you never meet in person, but you get to know their stories every time you check in with them and you learn more about them piece by piece. Um, They really start becoming... people you start thinking about oh wait i haven't checked on so and so in a while let me pull up my walkie talkie call them up see what they're dealing with and they happen to be going through something and yeah, like, yeah they're like you know please check on me every you know every couple of minutes if you can and you have to remember to do that it's not like a mission that you're given it's just something that you either remember to do or you don't so they do really cool things like that uh to really get you invested in the people in this game uh it, it's one of the rare examples with a sci-fi game where the sci-fi element really isn't the star of the show it's it's the people around it and what they're dealing with and how their lives are affected just by way of each other and not necessarily 
really just the sci-fi element that really makes this game stand out. So um, Oxenfree 2, if you haven't played either game, uh, number one is they're not very expensive. Number two is they're not super, super long either. So it's not a huge time sink. I know a lot of you guys are struggling with backlogs and you're probably going, oh my God, how am I going to fit this in? This isn't going to be that much of an ask. Um, But if you are a story-driven gamer, if you love great dialogue, natural-sounding dialogue, where you really feel like you're getting to know the characters and you have you know, a, a palette for sci-fi elements in, in video games as well, I think this is going to be a must-play for you, uh, for sure. Unfortunately, it's not available on Xbox. It is a PC, PS5. I don't know if it's on Switch. It is Pablo. on Switch. I don't remember. Yeah, it's on Switch. It is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's unfortunately not on Xbox, which sucks. Uh, it's also... Um, a game from a studio bought by Netflix. So weirdly enough, you can play it via Netflix if you're so and inclined. And if I'm not mistaken, it's on mobile as well. It should be, yeah, it should be on mobile too. So and it, and it it it's one of those games that does work fine on mobile. But um, yeah, it's on. Can't I can't. It's on Android, iOS, Switch, PlayStation, and PC. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say I can't remember for sure, but yeah, um, yeah, like I said, must play game if you're a story driven gamer. Uh, and and not too much out of your wallet or your time to experience what I think is one of the best games of the year, let alone sleepers of the year. Um, But yeah, um, so uh, to summarize my top five sleepers, just as a quick refresher before we wrap up, my uh, five is Arcade Paradise. My number four is The Expanse, a Telltale series. My number three is Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. My number two is Coffee Talk Episode 2, Hibiscus and Butterfly. And number one for me is Oxen Free 2 Lost Signals. Pablo, if you'd be so inclined, give us a quick refresher for your top five, and then we'll wrap things up. Yeah, sure. Uh, number five for me, Chance of Sonar. Number four, Robocop. <laughs> I said Robocop. Robocop Rogue City. Uh, man. Wait a minute. We're not, we're not just skirting past that. <laughs> Robocop is the worst porn parody name I've ever heard in my life. But also bro. the best, if you really think about it. Uh, kind of, but when you think of the backstory of how RoboCop became RoboCop, that would mean that the somebody's peen got shot up to hell, and they had to rebuild it, and it's yeah. made of metal, and that's a really gross thought. So, yeah, fuck you. And, 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 Keep going. and, and weirdly enough, that's what I call my penis, Alex Murphy. Uh, number no. three, Immortals of Avium. <laughs> he got a first and last name yeah, and a social not? security number. He got a mind of his own. He got a head of his own. Yeah, you know I mean, uh, all right. Uh, number three, Immortals of Avium. <laughs> <laughs> number two, Venba. Number one, Oxenfree 2, Lost Signals. That's my top five right there, Sleepers of 2023. You are the top five grossest people I've ever met in my life, well, by you the know. way. You were all five. All, all five right. of them hoes. Uh, Happy to look, be that uh, is nominated. Gonna, that is uh, thankfully going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, he was doing so well until he stopped doing well. Uh, but listen, uh, next week is going to be a big episode, ladies and gentlemen. So it's never been a better time to subscribe to the show because we are going to be talking about the Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer when it drops. We are going to be talking about the winners and losers of the Game Awards, as well as all the announcements and reveals that we are going to see. You're not going to want to miss that coverage as we talk through all the things that we saw uh, at the show. Uh, We don't usually skip too many details, so we're going to give you a comprehensive look at everything and not just a little five-minute breeze through of, yeah, I thought it sucked, and move on (laughs) uh, like most shows do. So we're giving you the good content, so please subscribe to us so that you can stay on top of those new episodes when they drop. But until then, that's going to do it for Cooldown Time this week. Thank you for tuning in. Enjoy your video games, and we will see you next week. 